HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, I'm Katie Mosman-Wadler, Executive Director of HRN. HRN is dedicated to amplifying small businesses that keep our communities vibrant. Today, I'm asking business owners to take part in our business membership drive by supporting HRN's mission with a $500 membership. HRN will shine a light on your work, and you'll help sustain our mission to expand the way eaters think about food. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. You'll also play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. Thank you for your support. It's a really important issue, and I think this is something that I feel as a wine professional, I need to be able to communicate to, to people who are buying wine and explain to them why suddenly, you know, the wine that they were buying for $20 is now worth $30. Because I think when you're sitting, you know, in a bar uh, or in a, in, going to a shop, I think this is something which is really hard to comprehend um, and, and understand really all, all of the elements that are at play. So what I would like to discuss uh, today and hopefully get a lot of feedback from, from yourselves is, is our issues like you know, the cost of actually producing wine, maybe buying grapes, maybe renting equipment, renting a cellar, uh, but also buying dry goods, because I think that's been, and it is being one of the biggest nightmare that are, is being experienced by, by growers at the moment, um, as well as shipping containers. You know, we've had uh, the tariffs, but actually the tariffs seem pretty pretty low now in comparison with what's going on with the, with the, the shipping costs and, and, and uh, you know, the, 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 obviously the issues in Ukraine and, and Russia and, Brexit and, and, and COVID and so on. So I'm going to start with Megan. So let me introduce you to the panel. So we have Alvaro from Selección de la Viña, who is an importer uh, distributor nationally. Um, Megan Bells from Margins, who is a producer based out of Santa Cruz and producing wines um, in, in California. We have Didier Pariant from Nomadic Distribution, who is an importer distributor now based out of California and also now in New York. And Marc Barrio from Côte d'Origine, who is a producer based in the Roussillon. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, Megan, do you want to maybe start with you know, your experience as a, I would say, a young producer? 
uh, somebody who's been, you know, going from producing in a tiny shared cellar to maybe having your own space now, um, and the and the issues that you've been facing recently in terms of the cost of and, and you know and how that's re reflected in, in the cost that you're having to charge or or not, and who's absorbing that? Um, yeah, am I on? Am I good? Good? Okay, great. Um, so, so I'm Megan from Margins. Um, I make about 3,000 cases of wine at this point, but I started from a tiny brand that just produced 200 cases. And when I started, I was in a shared space, um, which is really popular in California. A bunch of winemakers paying one like majority tenant custom crush fees in order to use their equipment. Um, but still do all of their own work uh, just to make their wine there. So I am now in my own winery space as of 2020. I share with one other winery, Flores Wines, um, but we uh, don't do any custom crush, um, partly because it's I find it to be really, really unjust, and I don't, I don't want to do that to people. But yeah, costs have been really outrageous in the last couple of years. I just calculated some like real percentage numbers. I'm just going to read them up to you. Uh, so this is since November warehouse storage costs where like our wines live after they get bottled is up 25% just since November. Um, since November warehouse uh, shipping, like when it goes from my winery to the warehouse and vice versa is up 20% for freight since November. Uh, the cost of glass bottles is up 10% just from 2020 to 2021. And we won't talk about the percent from pre-2020, but it's a lot. Um, and then the price of glass shipping, like when I'm ordering empty bottles to come to the winery, is up 390% in one year. Uh, so that is the biggest thing that I'm sure we'll all talk about, just like the crazy surcharges uh, that are happening due to fuel increases and labor shortages and, you know, everyone being stretched throughout uh, all the aspects of the business. But um, the thing that makes it hard is that at the same time that all these costs are rising, the cost of living is increasing, especially for producers in California, which is mostly what I'm going to talk about since that's where I live. The wine regions tend to be really, really expensive areas because they're beautiful, they're mostly coastal, they're really desirable. They tend to be near like major population centers where people work in tech or other jobs where that money's nothing to them because they make way more than that per month. Whereas for us, we're like, oh man, I don't even make that in like a year. Um, <laughs> And that's the case in Santa Cruz, like an acre of undeveloped land is about $750,000. So like we don't, um, we don't get to like buy land or buy like our wineries, we have to rent things. So because we're in this super expensive region, the cost of our rent is outrageous because at least in Santa Cruz, we're competing with marijuana. Um, those are the people who are taking spaces that could be wineries, big empty warehouses. And cannabis is really, really well funded by tech money. And obviously uh, we're not. So we're like pretty outmatched in that. And then also just living where we live, groceries are expensive. Gas is more expensive. Rent is more expensive. And we want to be able to pay a living wage to do this work because it's such a great value of 
you know, organic farming and natural wine goes hand in hand with fair and just labor. So while we're having to pay so much more for shipping and glass and everything, we're also needing to pay more to our employees and ourselves so that it stays a um, socially sustainable business and not just in our environmentally sustainable business. So can you, because um, basically you've highlighted, I mean, thank you, and it's actually really great to put into, into such clear numbers, and it's really shocking, because we're only talking about like three or four months ago and, and the stark increase. Um, can you maybe talk to us about the, the cost of grapes? Because you, 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 know, you, you farm, uh, but you don't own the, 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 the vineyards. What's happened to the cost of grape? Because really at the moment, what we're talking about is, is the increasing cost of everything else. Um, but what about the, the, you know, the farming costs and the cost of grapes? Um, so for me, because I'm so small, the cost of grapes hasn't been as much of an issue. Like everything has gone up, but maybe it's gone up like 200 or $300 per ton. So if you were a big producer, that's really going to add up. But I'm only making like 55 tons-ish uh, per year. So it does, of course, you know, 300 times 50. It definitely adds up, but it's not... Like you're saying, like these tariff charges seem like nothing compared to other things. So like a couple of years ago, I would have been like, this is crazy. Why are they increasing so much? But it's like, oh, you know, $10,000, who cares? Like this other thing went up like $30,000. So uh, for me, it, it's not as much of an issue. But um, that said, like there is still major labor shortages in the vineyards, especially in California. So people are having to pay more, which is fantastic uh from from my point of view uh, like i want fair and just labor but at the same time you know if the growers are having to pay more for the same thing then the cost of the grapes are going to go up and then of course the grapes have to get transported from vineyards to wineries and in my case i do all of my own trucking so um my cost goes toward gas <laughs> instead of paying for deliveries but all of that, you know, it's just exponential. And how has this been reflected in the price of your wine then? I increased all of my wine uh, by 10% in one year, uh, which is a lot, I think. Um, and, you know, the, the very first wines of 2021 are coming out just right now. So I haven't had, like, the feedback yet from folks of, like, this is too expensive to sell, especially... You know, in New York, um, I feel like the because it's so much closer to Europe than California, there are a lot of wines that can compete at a lower price point, uh, whereas our costs are outrageous. And, and, and because we don't own our land and our rent's increasing, we're having to keep, you know, increasing the value for something that, like Isabel was saying, other people, consumers might not see the increase in value themselves they're like wait I'm paying more for the same thing and nothing has even changed um, whereas we're like well and I post about this all the time on my social media like we can't eat this cost anymore I felt like I ate it a little bit last year and then I was just like I'm gonna, we're gonna go I'll go out of business and like would and unfortunately as much as we don't want this to be a business that's the way things are in California because everything's so expensive. It's, it's our dream and we love organic farming and everything, but we're also trying to run like a financially stable business and that's just the reality.
And, and also, if everything is increasing by, you know, 20, 30% or 200%, then and you increase by 10%, yeah. at some <laughs> stage, there's going to be a kind of a quite a big issue happening. Yeah. I've just tried to tell people, like, get ready. Like, I post about it every few weeks. Like, huge price increases are coming in the next couple of years. And that's just, if you want the people making the wine to stay in business, then people are just going to have to pay more for that wine. Okay, thank you. Well, that's great. Thank you. Let's go on to Mark. So I'm sure, Mark, obviously you own your own vineyard. Um, so maybe you could talk to us about how, you know, things have shipped up for you over the past sort of couple of years. And also I know something which is really important to you is this issue of, of clear glass. You know, one of my bugbears is at the moment everything is about clear glass and translucent colors and vibrant reds and vibrant oranges, you know, with the sunlight, you know, or the blue sky behind or whatever. But this has a huge cost to the environment that we don't think about. Um, and I think we need, you, we collectively as an industry, we really need to fight for, for this to stop because the cost is, is huge on, on many levels. And I think uh, it's something that is very dear to, to Mark's heart, so we can discuss that. But this is our duty now. You know, we fought for the farming and all of that, and there's a lot of important issues, but glass is actually a very important issue. So, so hi. Um, so I established my small winery 20 years ago in in Roussillon. I moved from from Marseille to to Roussillon. Um, I live in Moray. The terroir is very dry, very hot. So I move 20 kilometers left on the west to go higher altitude, 400 meters, where it rains over there one meter one meter per year of water in Moray. 10 centimeters, so not much. So I, I can get natural high level of crop, about four or five tons per, per hectare, without adding any, any water. We cannot, we cannot irrigate, it's forbidden anyway. Um, in France, actually, the rise of the cost didn't increase as much as Mega, because we do maybe have the, the big uh, seller should have some big contract until the end of this year. I think the worst is going to arrive for the next uh, vintage. But actually, we only increased from 10% this year. Of what? The glass. Can I jump in one, can I jump in one sec? Uh, there is something really important to know about the glass situation because in the US, the glass comes from China. And therefore, that's where the increase in price has really, really come to such an extent, whether in Europe, the glass comes from Italy. And so for that reason, there hasn't been such an increase in cost of glass per se into the US where it just went crazy. Well, we can, we can, because you've got one to grow with a different story, yeah, for, from a glass perspective, but we, yeah. we'll get, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I just want to... So the cost of the glass is okay, but just uh, <clears throat> um, I think with natural wine, we should we should sell what is inside the bottle, the wine. So the glass bottle, the white glass bottle, should be forbidden in natural wine. I understand the marketing, the beautiful label, but to produce a glass bottle, you need very uh, pure. So the cost of, of a, a white bottle is two times, three times more expensive than a green bottle. And a white bottle doesn't stop the, the UV. And so the wine inside with no sulfur in the container, with fridge or not, 
you imagine? Two months in Panama, it's gonna be difficult. So it takes time, four months to, exp to export one pallet from my place to DJ's place in Los Angeles. And if you ship to New York, which is shorter, after you imagine you transport through America 6,000 kilometers with petrol. The petrol is not too expensive to your country, but you, 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 you make gas, uh, gas de schist, schist gas, which is not good for, for environment. So there is a big discussion about this stuff. Can you also talk about the, how clear glass bottles are made and what that is an issue? In, in green bottles, you can, you can recycle. All the bottles are recycled and you make green bottles with that. With the white bottles, you cannot use any recycled bottle. It has to be always new stuff, new, new product. And there's a, there's a shortage, I mean, that's... Shortage. There's a shortage. Well, there's not any more white bottle because uh, they use it for perfume or some other stuff, for alcohol, spirits, or some other stuff, but the glass, maybe some other products. But also the trends of the orange wines and skin macerated and all these things, everybody now wants to see the color of the wine. Um, has just completely increased the demand for those. And then, as always, the, it goes, supply, demand. So the cost of those clear bottles now went through the roof when recycled bottles are actually almost going down. And so, like Isabella said, collectively, we have to work in a way that we change people's mind about having to see these beautiful colors on the shelves that are not protected. And then we ask winemakers to not add sulfites in wines, but then we want them to put their wines in clear bottles which have zero protection. And that, in some ways, is such a contradiction. Um, and that's why I think it's a really, really important problem and we need to really go over it to try to make people stop with these clear bottles in some ways or to use it for some wines, but not for all wines. Red wine shouldn't be in a clear bottle. It should be in recycled glass. If you want to show at least some color, then show it on the white wine. But then again, it goes against all, what all those winemakers are trying to do, which means limiting the additions of anything in their wines or not having anything added. But then if you're going to use those bottles, you're going to have to, in some ways, maybe add some sulfites to just protect maybe a little bit the wine. But it, yeah, and, and I think the, the sulfide question is actually quite a, a small one. You want to add sulfides, you don't want to add sulfides, I think. But it, the issue is the cost of the environment, you know. So I think we, we, we are in a bigger hypocritical stage right now in the natural wine movement where, you know, the, 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 our consumers are like screaming for natural wine because they are behind the, the farming, the ethical approach to, to, to farming, to winemaking, to running a business. And like Megan said, you know, I think being ethical is really important and having a fair trade. And at the same time, they just want only clear glass because this is what looks sexy. And I think there's a big disconnect basically at the moment, which is really something that we need to address uh, big time. And then maybe Alvaro, you, you could, given we're on the topic of glass, so you could also talk about yeah, another sure. story from one so of your So from my experience in talking to my producers, uh, in addition to the cost, it's also the supply. There just isn't bottles available. So um, Casa Balaguer, Andres, um, uh, he's pouring wine here today, was telling us how he's already had to buy glass for his 2022 vintage. 
which we he won't be bottling till at the very earliest February of 2023. So he's forced, he has to pay for all that glass. One has to store it and has to pay for that glass within the next month. Um, so you can see how, how, how much strain that puts on, on cash, space in the cellar. These guys don't necessarily have big cellars, so he's got pallets and pallets of glass taking up space. And there's also the risk of, you know, what happens if in 2022 there's mildew or there's frost or there's something where he has half, half of, 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 of a harvest and he's not able to, to, or doesn't have the wine to use those bottles. And you know what his supplier told him? Sell them for double the price. Yeah, so that, apparently there's a big <laughs> So now there's market. glass speculation, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and he was explaining also, because I was in that conversation as yeah. well, that, you know, France had um, some, some big factories where, where was it, in, in Dubai? Or they, uh, they, they had to close down a lot of factories in right. the Middle East uh, because it's too costly to, to run them. Um, and as a result, there's a big shortage because they've stopped supplying and, and manufacturing the actual glass. So I think glass is actually, you know, a really big problem. And, yeah, and this is both on the clear and the green. Like, for example, we, we do a private label and we weren't able to do with certain producers, we weren't able to do it this year because they just couldn't find the leader bottle. They couldn't find supply for the specific bottle that we were using. So there's just a, a market-wide uh, shortage um, and, and it's happening with, with really everything. Uh, with corks, the same thing, the cost, supply, uh, it's all really putting um, a big effect on, on, on all these small producers. You know, and then, you know, I'm an importer, so um, the cost of production obviously trickles down to us, which then trickles down to the customers. But if, if Megan's costs are up 10 percent for the no, consumer. I'm really, I'm really sorry. So I'm going to I don't know what's going on back there. Are we recording this talk? So go downstairs. It's like all the toilets are downstairs. So, okay, it's just we're trying to record and do research talk and then all we're getting is like this in and out. So I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry, but there's like 20 bathrooms downstairs. Okay. Sorry, I'm sure we can hopefully edit that out. Otherwise, sorry, everyone. <laughs> so come in, but I mean, come on, guys. It's, uh... So in, in addition to, to the shortage, uh-oh, we just locked that, yeah. Um, so in addition to the shortage and, and the rise of cost in production, um, there's also a rise in the cost of transportation. Um, you know, if we speak in hard, hard numbers, uh, just the, the cost of a container uh, in the last year has gone up 300%. Um, you know, so that obviously uh, has a big, big effect on the final price. Um, yeah, and in the end, you know, uh, gas. I mean, you guys probably drive, and you know how expensive has, <laughs> gas has gotten worldwide, and, and, and I think that's affecting everything from freight to trucking to, so, you know, um, uh, a 10% cost of production in the end and the customer is probably going to result in a 20 to 25, maybe even 30% increase in price. We're seeing wines that we used to sell by the glass that, you know, we're maybe selling at $15 wholesale, they're now $20 wholesale, you know? So um, obviously that has a big effect on the volume. It has a big effect on positioning, right? Because these were the wines that were meant to be like the entry level, the wines that, you know, are sort of your, um, uh, uh, 
uh, card of presentation, right, to sell some of the higher end stuff. Now the entry level is starting at $20. So you can imagine how hard it is for, for producers to get their wines out there and, and to get the volume that they're really looking for. So I think we're gonna start to see that range of glass pours from 10 to 15 is gonna go from 15 to 20, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just uh, um, uh, an effect of everything that's happening in the world, inflation, uh, shortages, sanctions, you know, um, it's like just yesterday we were talking about 25% increase in the, in the Trump tariffs and, and, and now we're talking about 300% increase in, so it's like we get out of one thing and, and, and jump right into another and it's, it's been a tough couple of years. <laughs> and the, yeah, thank you. I mean, yeah. if you were to quantify um, the, I don't know, what's the percentage, of, so you, you know, you have a wine that mm -hmm. sells for 25 bucks or 30 bucks, how much of that is actually the, the cost of producing the wine? Versus the cost of packaging, transport, and, and all of that, would you say? Probably half, right? I don't know. That Would much? You agree, DJ? Well, I can I can say that at least on the transportation, because that has gone crazy even just in the last year for us, uh, and two years almost now. Um, we took a, we picked up an increase in cost of about two dollar fifty to almost three dollar on a bottle. So just to give you an idea, just in so can you break that, that cost. down? Can you break that down? Well, the, the, the customs haven't changed because the customs are set federally, right? And uh, what has changed, basically, so it's a little complex. But if we go back to the beginning of COVID, um, we had issues with containers, not enough containers being uh, available. So all the shipping lines started to produce more containers trying to combat that. The problem after that, that China was locking down some ports wherever they had issues. So now... They had created more containers, but the amount of ships was the same. Just more containers, but no ships now being able to come in and out of China to transport those containers. So the issue remained the same. And then at the end of the day, now we have the fuel surcharge, which is something that we pay separately on the cost of transporting those containers. And now that cost has just gone through the roof. And so in... In the last two years, uh, when you think it's going to be done, there's something else that happens and it just keep happening and keep happening and going up and up and up. And so no matter what you do, in some ways, there's an issue since we are globally connected in that way. The glass comes from China, which is, I think, crazy that in the U.S. we can have our own glass. Separate subject. Um, but that we are so connected globally that anything that happens somewhere is really going to affect the price elsewhere. And, and that's really, really uh, difficult right now. And the cost of gas is just the last drop. Um, to be honest, I think the global uh, trade and the logistic, the global logistic was at 99% broken. And I think the Ukraine situation is probably not that one missing person to have this, this whole chain completely breaking down. And we see it as importer, like something like six to 10 months ahead of time or sometimes a year, because we, we hear those things happening and that gives us a view about what's gonna happen on the next year. And I remember last year in February, I used to say like, at some point people are not gonna buy just good wine, they're gonna buy wine that they can get because it's gonna be so difficult to get them. And sure enough, in starting last summer, it's just starting to happen where we really could not get our wines. And unless you were bringing all your wines 
at once, which obviously has its own danger. Um, so that actually happened to us by mistake. We had our wines planned out January, February, March. We couldn't get anything out. And then all of a sudden, everything was picked up together and landed at once. In Same April thing, yeah. of, last, of last year, we had six containers of wine land all at once. And the yep. shipping companies aren't waiting for you to pay. You no. got to pay all of that up front. So you can imagine how hard it is, one, to pay for the cost of bringing the wine, and two, having to sell all that wine at once, imagine six containers. How do your reps and your sales team go out and sell that much wine at once? So that made it very difficult. And um, I, I was talking to a producer of mine, and um, I was explaining, you know, that the wine just wasn't moving as much because of the cost. It's increased. It's more expensive than it was before. I, and, and I said, you know, you increased the wine. 25% and this is why he's like, I didn't increase my wine. The wine is the same price. I was increased on the cost of bottles and the cost of corks and the cost, but the wine is still the same price. You know, everything else is, is what increased. So um, yeah, that, I mean that, the, the, the constraint and getting wine out of Europe last year made it made it super super difficult. And like Megan said, if I if I can just say something, like the the difficulty for us is that we get all this increase in cost everywhere, but we are trying to keep the prices stable. Uh, we are not trying to just jump on the and increase the cost because we know quite well that if you increase your wine, it's going to get out of the by the glass price and and all these things, and the wine is not going to move as much. So like Megan said, you know, she just did an increase of ten percent because we know way too well that we are not gonna sell as much wine if we do that, but there comes a point where we just can't anymore. And it's becoming difficult because we may be uh, held back for a while, but then the increase of, of cost now is way too much. And then that increase in price we need to do is still too little compared to the cost of it. So it's just getting really, really tight, basically. And, and that's, that's quite difficult at this time. And, and maybe we could touch on, I don't know how, any anyone handles this you know how so what's your strategy you know is this something you've thought about is it about communicating more with with the end drinker um how do we commu even communicate about these issues you know with somebody who's going to be buying wine in, in, a, well, in new york or san francisco we have to do a lot of explaining to our yeah. customers and to our sales team so everyone every what we're doing here with you guys we have to do with our sales team so we know how to justify these price increases and and some people understand, others don't. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just letting people know what's happening so they understand, and 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 that's it. You know, there's really not much more we can do. Um, you know, like Megan said, we're all this is a business, and we're trying to stay in business, and these costs need to be um, you know passed on. We can't keep absorbing them. Well, a way would be to also start to talk to people about the glass, for example, so that we could use a little more recycled glass uh, rather than just uh, treated uh, clear bottles. Uh, because right now, for example, I had the, the cost of a bottle recycled was 66 cents. One of my producers told me right now he was able to get uh, in California uh, recycled glass for 66 cents compared to $2.50 for a clear bottle. So, I mean, like when we just think about that, we could basically cheapen the wine now or not increase it by $2 by just going with a recycled bottle. So, you know, it's, it's, it's at every level we need to talk about it. 
I think from the, the business owner to their employees, then to the sales rep, then to the buyer of the restaurant, so they understand what's going on. It's just not an increase for no reason. And so that they, we all try, we need collectively to try to just work together to keep the prices down so we don't just stop selling wine because we can't keep increasing the price of wine like that. It's just not not going to work at some point. And, and I guess the perception in the market is that that money goes to the producer because somebody sees a bottle selling from, you know, $17.50 to $25 or $30 and automatically people think, oh, well, that's... Because the He's getting greedy. He's getting greedy. His yeah. wines are now allocated. He just jacked the price, you know, 30% from one year to the next. Trust me, it's not us. It's not the producers. You know, let's, let's talk to uh, people higher up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be great to see, and I don't, I wish that we had this because it's totally feasible, like the bottles being reused. A factory that was set up, uh, you know, we'd have to have it different places and in the US, is it logistically complicated? Of course it is, but we do so many things that are logistically complicated, especially in like, uh, you know, medical professions and such where uh, it, it wouldn't be that crazy to like recollect bottles, sanitize them and have them reshipped out instead of, you know, they all get crushed and recycled, then that all gets shipped back to, uh, in my case, my glass came from Spain and I also get glass from Mexico and sometimes Canada, but yeah, most of it comes from China. So it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't really have to be this global market. No. It's the way that these huge companies, the people that actually are profiting have designed things. Like there's a reason that we don't have plants that are, you know, just re reusing bottles and, and sanitizing them because that, that's such a easy solution. You know, of course, it's a very, um, it would take a ton of investment money and set up, but once it was established, like, what a fantastic solution, you know? Megan, maybe that's something we should do. I actually really like that idea, a collective of just picking up all the bottles that people use in restaurants and sending them back to uh, the producers and just like find a way to sanitize them and all that stuff and just do it. We'll do I it with all think of our it's free a, time. Yeah. <laughs> actually, in Spain, there's producers that already do that. That'll use, that'll use, you know, just uh, they'll, they'll partner with restaurants or whatever and they'll clean them themselves. They'll clean the bot reuse, the reuse, for example, Carriel del Vilar. He's in uh, the Emporda, um, uh, a producer that we no longer work with. But um, uh, I remember he used to use old cava bottles for, for all of his sparkling wines, you know, um, and you could see that they were being reused. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I guess then it begs the question of the aesthetics of, of natural wine. You know, I think there is an, expect an expectation now from the consumer's perspective that you know, these wines have to look a, a very specific way in order to be natural, uh, which is why you know, wines that are packaged that way with these type of labels will sell a lot better than something that looks a lot more traditional uh, with a more classic label, and they could be made exactly the same way. Um, and I think that's also something that you know, I'm really keen to try and communicate to people, is, is, is that people, I think, need to really get out of that mentality of, oh my God, they need to buy this and Instagram it and put it against that you know, a ray of sunshine, uh, so I get, you know, a thousand likes and then I will sell, you know, because this is not how we should be communicating about wine. Um, so I think there's a lot of issues there. Mark, I don't know if you had anything else to... Uh, and, and also, if you have any questions, you know, this is a small enough crowd that we can just make it more of a conversation. 
Well, I mean, uh, I come back to the glass bottle. So if, if everybody take a, a green glass bottle, I, I choose my cheapest uh, price of any uh, the cork, the bottle, the label, everything. For me, the cost is 60 cents per bottle, everything together. I, I choose uh, the cheapest. I didn't put any money in big glass bottle because a nice bottle, it's, it's nice. It's clear, but it's heavy. Every importer pay for the for the for the weight also. Okay, uh, the most expensive is a glass bottle to make some petnat. Petnat is very nice, but it's the most expensive bottle in the world. You mean petnat or, not, or sparkling petnut, wine? Sparkling wine. Okay. Petnut, okay. So it's very expensive. We drink petnat because it's it's cheaper than the champagne, maybe. <laughs> But it's most expensive bottle in the, in the world. That's why Petnat is so expensive, regardless yep. of being maybe one of the easiest wines to make, depending on how you make it. But usually it's the wine that spends the least time in, you know, elevage. And, and, and because of the gas pressure, you need very heavy bottles. Good, yeah. Heavy bottles, 900 grams. Per. Uh, my bottle is 400 grams, so it's two times less, less weight. So I think everybody takes the green glass, not nice, or the, the most... Uh, um, horrible green, all green with a five star on for the alcoholic people would would be a good uh, maybe a good snapshot. Good snapshot to the very beautiful marketing everybody want to put because natural become the natural me for me become completely crazy about marketing and blah 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 and stuff like that. They forget what is inside the bottle. It's only marketing and marketing and label. So it's just like organic, right? It should be organic already. So it should be naturally organic. You know what I mean? So natural wine should just be simple. 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 Like you said, the Instagram. We need to stop worrying so much about the glass and the labels and worry yeah. about what's inside, right? Yes. We as, 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 as sellers always like to say, you know, worry about what's inside the bottle. Unfortunately, that's not how, you know, people buy by label and buy by the color of the wine. And yeah, I think we need to start, you know, trying to educate people um, to buy differently. I'm you know? retail. I don't work in a restaurant, so I sell bottles. I mean, we do a lot of natural wine, but it's also hand selling. And 85, 90% of the people that come to my permission will come in and say, oh, I just buy all the label. And, you know, you see this, this trend and, you know, it's, it's very cool and I can appreciate it. But like these crazy labels or color, colorful labels and all this stuff. And, oh, I'm just going to buy it because of that. They have no idea what it is or what goes into it. And then, you know, me as the person trying to sell it to them, tries to explain what goes into the bottle and everything like that, and it just it goes right over their head. So it's like this ignorance, if you will, or you, you try to teach these people something, and it's, but with, you know, obviously this whole thing is the increase in cost and everything. It's why is a natural organic wine so much more expensive than you know uh, a processed whatever you will wine, you know, a major label. Why is it that way? You know, the, before it was the cost of the, the human which yes, work. Yeah, the hands, the amount of hands that touch the water, right? Because of the dryness, 
the, the global warming and the dryness, you have two times less production than 10 years ago. So the, the wine costs more expensive. And nowadays, it's not anymore the cost of the human. After you have uh, me, I try to make wine without anything. So I don't use a concrete egg uh, on four, stuff like that. For me, it's, it's fashion. So there's a problem. But it costs a lot for a, for a producer to buy an egg. It's enormous price. So Just to for, make for a, example, how much, is that, how much does that cost? Compared? For 600 liters, it's 10,000 euros from last year with the concrete. Maybe this year is going to be the double. So you need to make a credit. How much models you need to to pay back? To pay back 20 years to make a fashion wine. Oh, my wine is beautiful. It's an egg. And after the for the ceramic and stuff like that. But now it's not anymore the human. It's not the horse, it's not the egg, it is the transport. And who is going to make money? Not me, not him, not you, the seller. It's going to be the guy which, it's not us, it's total. It's, okay? And, and the problem, me, I'm very afraid of what I, what I have because it, it won't stop. So next year, can she make still wine in Santa Cruz? Maybe it's forget, stop making wine over there. Yeah, stop making wine in Santa Cruz because uh, the land is too expensive. For me, my land is the cheapest land in the world. One hectare, less than 10,000 euros. So it's cheaper to buy a, an hectare of land than it is a concrete egg. I mean, that's well, the same. Me, well, I keep saying that, but if everybody wants some concrete egg, the concrete egg is, is gone now. Now it's uh, something else. So, oh God, Jesus. Um, what are your thoughts on alternative packaging uh, from a producer's perspective and, and in distribution? Because I feel like if like an on-premise, you know, wine bar would be totally open to having bags of really cool wine and that would cut costs completely but from like from a retail perspective I think I don't know I feel like alternative packaging could be helpful especially with glass right like what does it matter to you does it is it something that like what how does it we make wine nowadays we bottle today we will drink after today I know so we don't need glass no. Nobody stole. In France, they stole the wine. They stole the wine with labels. So, Jure Chambertin, Chambol Musini, 200 euros a bottle for 20 years, maybe. In France, if, you, if I buy a bottle, I'm young, I will keep it maybe six months. In America, you don't keep six months, maybe six days, maybe six hours. So, there is no future to buy glass bottle. Plastic, it's horrible. It's, it's not possible. So, we must change, I think, this. This kind of packaging. We're actually, we, we, we've been doing more kegs, 20 liter um, key kegs in uh, recyclable plastic. It's essentially just a bag inside of a, a plastic keg. And, and actually we have more and more customers asking and uh, cans. cans. We've, we've actually um, uh, launched our own can brand as well. Um, it's very new and like, like, like um, 
uh, like he said, you know, uh, most of these wines aren't being aged, right? No, no, so no. The, the, the role of the bottle was to give um, uh, the wine, sort of to, to, to polish the wines, right? To make them rounder, to give them the time they needed, right? Um, you know, most, most wines being made today, especially, you know, in that room there, are, are made and drank within the year. Uh, but I so, think that, I you know, like what is... Even as a producer of high quality wine, if you're creating a like a entry level, if you're creating an entry level wine, I mean that kind of packaging would offset your cost of, for the of course. higher and then, tier. And then you have people that are using glass and putting a crown cap on it for still wine, or even screw caps. So there's no evolution, regardless. So yeah. what is the point of using the glass in that case? Right? You know, if you're using natural cork and you're making a wine that's meant to age, then Okay, that's a different story. But if you're making fresh wines and putting a screw cap on it, what is the need to put in the glass, right? I have a weird import question. <laughs> like, what is the um, when? Okay, so w when you import wine <laughs> into into the U.S., it can come in barrel or it can come in keg. It can come in like huge, like crazy liter, and then you have a facility. Um, at port that puts them in bottle, right? So in bottle, you or at port, you could technically like, what's the legal? How like what are the the volumes that you can legally move those move that liquid to? You, you can pretty much do whatever you want in terms of volume that you want to bring it. The problem is always then down to the cost. Um, the cost of just bottling and doing all these things in each own country, in, in everyone's own country, is always cheaper than bringing anything to the US because by the time that you get to the US, every time that someone touched that thing, it's gonna take an increase in cost and not a slight one, not a little one, a big one. So then you have to find a bottling uh, place and then the labels and everything. And in the US, sadly, everything is a lot more expensive than in Europe. So your cost would just increase by trying to save some money and lower the cost, but it actually just increased by doing so. Okay. The cost of labor here in the U.S. is much more expensive, so you might be saving on transportation, but in the end, you're going to be paying for it here. You know, everything from bottling to labeling to any type of manual labor is more expensive here than it is in the U.S. But, but, but also, let's not uh, forget that, you know, very often the importers will bring in small batches and it's not feasible to bring in Envrac, you know, in membranes, like 600 liters of one wine, for example, um, because it's, you know, you can't just bring that over and then, and then bottle it. So I think there's this issue. But what I, I wanted to, to add, I think, on, on the alternative packages, I think we shouldn't dismiss also the role of maturing natural wines, um, because I think we are now in a, in a, in a fat, you know, I think... I think natural wine and the scene and all of us, you know, we've, we've matured with the idea, you know, we now know that these wines, I mean, I've been collecting wines for 20 years, you know, I have actually literally thousands of bottles uh, of great stuff stashed away in, in a cellar. Um, and I think we, we also now need to start communicating to the consumer that, you know, these wines will age beautifully and they are often, even if they're made in a more slightly lighter glue-glue style, you know, after one, two, three years, they actually taste better. I'm not saying all wines will be like that, but by, you know, most of them. And I think, you know, we, we, rather than always maybe, and I think there's a great value in keg and, you know, cans that, you know, I, have done, I haven't done enough research in terms of 
uh, of, of that. But I think there's great value in, in alternative packaging. But I think it's now our job to say, you know, please start start selling these wines um, because they are actually much better. And we need glass for that because I don't think there's that really an alternative packages that you I, know, we'll I, I completely agree. And we say that all the time. But producers don't have the space or the money. Us importers, distributors don't have. No, no, I mean the end consumer because (laughs) the end consumer. Cellaring is just now the the remit of collectors and and people who buy, you know, more classic wines. And I think we really need to shift the mentality and get into that space. um, For sure, just for the added value. That's all. I I agree, but unfortunately, most consumers today are buying to drink today. You know, so um, hopefully we can recover that that tradition of, of cellaring wine, right? Here in New York City with the, with the space of the apartments is, is, is hard, but you know, um, maybe, you know, maybe there's services, you know, that can cellar wine for you at lower cost. Who knows, maybe that's an alternative, you know? But there is also another issue that uh, we are right now, the consumer wants always something new. Uh, and nobody anymore has patience to just let the wine sit. Everybody wants just the newest vintage, even quicker than before. Uh, and it's basically pushing also in some ways, and you guys, uh, you and Megan can, I can talk about it and, and Mark, uh, the producers to release wines uh, at earlier times when the wines need to actually just stay home for a couple of more months to, to remain even more stable. So there's this whole issue also of like, everybody's in a rush, everybody wants the newest thing, uh, the newest vintage, because if it's two years old, it's too old already, and and that just has to change because we we gotta we gotta wine requires patience, um, and making wine requires patience and hard work. Uh, selling wine the same way, just the drinking is too quick in some ways now, um, and want the newest thing. I I agree 100% with that, and I always say that. We drank most of the wine too young, and you know sometimes I think natural wine um, gets a little bit of criticism because of some flaws in in wine, and it's just a matter of time. We're drinking it too young, and we're not drinking it at the right time. You know, it's nothing with the wine. I just think, yeah, like I think it's in the winemaking, giving it the necessary time it needs, and the cellaring, the selling, the releasing, and, and and all these things. You know, and putting wines out when then when they're meant to be drank because we can't really always rely on the customer to to cellar and to drink when 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 the wine is in optimum conditions. And and time is money, yeah. as we know. Yeah, so it's another cost. Um, any other questions uh, before we wrap up? Specific questions about, you know, or feedback or any, anything that you, you want to share from your perspective? Could, could you grab the microphone? Because then if we record, then we can also record the questions. Thank you. Hello? Yeah, I, um, I talk to lots of different types of businesses, and I hear, like, the same kind of stuff all the time where, like, oh, uh, the other company has a better label, so... Uh, we don't like that we have to do our work. Like, it doesn't matter what business you're in. You always have to do your own marketing. Like, if, like, the label is not good enough, just make a better label. Hire a graphic designer. Like, figure out, like, a way to make it more presentable. But, I mean, I know what you were talking about, the glass earlier. I mean, I know, like, if I can see the wine, it, like, will have an impact on, like, my buying decision. Like, oh, it looks, like, cool. Like, whatever. Not everyone's wine. Most people aren't wine experts, so. That's uh, what I have to say about that. <laughs> if I can actually uh, propose something on that in that regards. Um, you know, we could make, a, the wine could be a really nice color, but maybe we do a colorful label on a green bottle 
that will basically protect that wine a little longer and, and wouldn't require such an increase in cost and then passing on that cost to the consumer at the end. So there are ways maybe we can play around with at least the color of the wines and like having to see the color of the wine or make a label that is the color of the wine in your bottle. Uh, if you want on top of that green or recycled bottle. And I, we totally understand because obviously as importers, uh, we are pushed and we are pushing sometimes the producers and tell them like, look, the, those wines, I mean, if they are not in a clear bottle, they don't sell. It happened to me. I'm sure it happened to you guys. Um, but it's also, that's why we are saying collectively, we need to try to come to some understanding about what can we do to manage the situation? Because if we are just going to let everybody say, wait, well, it, it is really cool to look at the color of the wine inside the, the bottle, but um, environmentally, it's not good because this clear bottle is the most expensive bottle to get and requires the most energy to get. And so it just defeats the purpose of what we are actually and why we are making wines the way we are making for those producers and what we are all trying to do. So that's why I think just maybe we need to be more creative uh, about finding solutions, but in some way it has to change for everyone. And, and I think maybe as a conclusion, I think we, we need maybe to take responsibility and also stay informed because whenever I have this conversation about clear glass, I realize actually no one even thinks about what kind of glass does it take to produce a clear bottle. So I think that's the number one. I think we need to be more informed. So we need to understand more the impact. And then we need to communicate that to, the, to, to, to our wine drinkers because, you know, if somebody has a choice of like maybe having the wines because two bought $2 but from the producer, then by the time it gets on the taxes, by the time it gets onto the importer, by the time it gets onto the distributor, then, then it gets onto the restaurant. I mean, everybody adds their margin on that $2. It'd be better to just you know, say to the grower, keep those $2 to improve your, 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 your well-being, to buy more land, to work better, to pay your workers better. And I think it's just, we just need to let people know what's going on, and then maybe they can make their own choices. Um, and I feel like at the moment, we're kind of like, we're like, oh, hey, hey, look, it looks beautiful, snap, snap, uh, without actually really thinking, what does it mean? You know, globally speaking, imagine collectively, like it's hundreds of thousands of, of bottles that we just put to the wasteland. And these bottles can't even be recycled back into clear bottles. You know, so it's like a permanent sort of vicious cycle uh, that we are experiencing. So I think, you know, we're... Thank you so much. I Thank you. Good to go, um, unless there's any more questions. But I think it's... Uh, go on. Yeah, I mean, I know there's, like, uh, again, on the marketing side, like, there's ways to educate the consumer, like, if you want to use the dark bottles or whatever. I mean, just, like, if you just have it on your Instagram and there's education about that, like, oh, we have it like this because for this reason, and it's cost... The cost is because of this reason. Uh, we had these hardships due to this reason, and... Like all that story can be told somehow. Like, and you don't boycott. Yeah. Let's boycott clear bottles. From the producer's perspective, if I if I if I may suggest something to even the producer, when you do your labels, maybe then you can add on those labels like the reason why this wine is in a, a, a recycled bottle, so that there is a, a messaging going on from the producers to the end consumer. And all the way um, to tell them the reason, instead of saying like, this one needs to be decanted, or we can add to that, this wine was put in, in, a, in a recycle bottle in order to minimize the impact on the environment and the cost and these things. And then maybe the message is, is gonna go forward, it's gonna move forward. 
And for Instagram, is it that big of a deal just to open the wine and pour it in a glass so you can see the color? Or, I mean, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> so I think, look, I, we should have called this talk, you know, uh, Clear Glass uh, or Boy Talk, Boy Talk Clear Glass. I didn't really want it to just focalize on this, but I think this shows that it's actually quite a big deal. Uh, we, we should be addressing this. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the bottom line is we need to, you know, get prepared that if we want to support, you know, growers like Megan and, and, and Mark, that people are going to have to pay for the wine. Uh, and we need to be prepared to be able to explain actually why. It's not because they are now, you know, driving a Tesla or, you know, it's just because actually along the way... Or the importers. <laughs> I drive a Subaru Outback 2007. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think these are issues that we need to start, you know, getting prepared for um, and, and be educated about so that we can, we can explain why, you know, why, why. Why is that going on right now? Uh, why we can keep supporting the growers. So, you know, thank you. I think we'll do... You have... If uh, the collective of different vineyards from America, because I've seen it's very expensive to you, you can ask to the... Who, who makes a bottle to make a, a special bottle just for California? And you buy one million bottles, you get a very nice price. But every vineyard needs to be okay with that. It's difficult. Okay, so on that note, thank you so much. I know some, some of you are keen to get back to tasting, but thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.